This is episode 6 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles include What Happens 72 Hours After Disasters, How Our Forefathers Made Glue Out of Pine Resin, and 10 Survival Items for Beginning Apartment Preppers. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before I get started, if I could just say, if you find value in our podcast, if you would go and your podcast network of choice, whether it be iTunes, Stitcher, or any of the other ones out there, if you would leave a review, that would be greatly, greatly appreciated. So let's go ahead and get started. This first article comes from Food Storage Moms. Linda has a great article over there, What Happens 72 Hours After Disasters. Let's go ahead and start. Today I want you to think about what may happen the first 72 hours after disasters or unforeseen emergencies happen where you live. Here's the deal. I want you to picture life in a 24-hour increments. I have broken the three 24 hours into sections below so you can picture what will most likely happen within 72 hours after any disaster in any city, county, state, or country. It's plain and simple. Let's get started. If possible, get together with your neighbors to purchase walkie-talkies and set them on the same channel and test them monthly. The old kind we used at Disneyland years ago no longer cut it. They may not be usable because they will not go through blocks of houses. This is the brand an emergency search and rescue guy recommended to a class I taught a few years ago. The Motorola MR350R 35-mile 22-channel FRS GMRS two-way radio pair. Okay, just a side note here. That is a great idea. I know um, last time we had the hurricane here in Houston, uh, one of our one of my coworkers, um, they're really they have a really close knit neighborhood, and they do. They're all on the same walkies, and uh, if anyone if something's going down, they can all share information very very easily. And that's if the power goes out. Um, also, you know, when we went skiing, it was years ago, but we had the radios and they were, they worked really well. I mean, uh, we could be on top of the mountain in New Mexico, uh, skiing and we were talking with, uh, our family members down at the bottom of the mountain or even in, uh, the place where we were staying, it, it was, it was reaching. So that's a great idea. Something that if you are in a, in a neighborhood where it's close knit, something definitely that you should do. All right. So, uh, number one, the first 24 hours will, Check with neighbors to see who is okay or hurt. If the disaster is big enough, we will have limited county or city officials to help the entire area in the short term. It's not going to happen, period. We need to be ready to take care of ourselves in many areas. I am talking about water, food, shelter, first aid supplies, tools, cooking devices, etc. We, mo- we most likely... it. The most likely situation, I think, is what it was going to say. The most likely situation is that we will lose electricity. If we use gas to heat our homes that will probably not be available if you think you will be available to turn on the water faucet think again the water supply may have been cut off or contaminated the server lines most likely will not work either if you don't have a portable toilet you better get one this week not next week i will not share my portable toilet with anyone i know it sounds selfish but i want my neighbors to know that right now i hope they have a good shovel to dig a hole for their own toilet just saying Here's a post I wrote regarding this issue and how to deal with it. Emergency toilet for after a disaster by food storage moms. These are 
cheap and everyone should have their own emergency toilet or some black garbage bags, kitty litter, and duct tape to use inside their home, their home toilets. Number two, the second 24 hours, some people have gone through their bottles of water, emptied their food pantries or freezers to eat, whatever they have available. Remember, every family member needs at least one gallon of water per, per person per day, according to the American Red Cross. I disagree, but I'm sure you know by now that I recommend four gallons of water per person per day. One gallon will not be enough for cooking, washing clothes, or bathing. You will want some baby wipes for what I call spit baths. This is the day you hope you were caught up on the laundry. If not, you will at least want to clean underwear. Here is my post about an emergency washing machine. Emergency washing machines by Food Storage Moms. Of course, you can use a sink or wash tub as well. You shouldn't just plan on using the bathtub because first of all, the water lines might be cut and second, the sewer lines might back up into your house if you try to drain the water. 3. The third 24 hours will not be fun. You know those Black Friday sales that happen after Thanksgiving? Well, after a disaster, if the roads are drivable, the grocery stores will have lines out the door due to rationing of water and food. Trust me, I will not be in any grocery store after a disaster. I do not do Black Friday sales either. I don't like the pushing and shoving at the stores. Man, just think how the crowds will be looking for water and food. Yikes. Utah, where I live, is ranked number four for states with personal gun ownership. People get mean when they are really hungry or thirsty and they need to feed their families. Just something to think about. The grocery store shelves will be empty or a bottle of water could cost $20 and the store may not have change. Exact dollar amounts will be needed. Before a disaster, some people may think, why do I keep hearing the phrase, get prepared, be prepared, and are you prepared? Sometimes people may think nothing will happen to me. The government will have to step in and help us. Or God or whoever you pray to will take care of me. Number five, I can't afford to buy extra water or food. I can't afford preparedness items. I don't have time to learn skills. Number eight, my neighbor is prepared. I will just go over there. Or nine, my house is too small to store anything extra. My favorite bartering items for after disasters would be ammunition, hard liquor, cigars. Do not store cigarettes. They go bad. After a disaster, coffee drinkers will barter for instant coffee. Starbucks might not be open. Food you grow in your garden. Get heirloom seeds you can keep planting year after year if you save the seeds. Basic staples you have stored like flour, sugar, honey, oil, baking powder, baking soda, and spices. Skills like bread making. Learn to make biscuits and crackers. Skills, handyman stuff. Skills, quilting and sewing will mend clothes or make clothes for us. First aid supplies. Chickens and eggs, as long as you have the food to feed them. Meat. Grass-fed animals will be a premium. Skill or hunting for animals to eat. Learn how to preserve them. Trading your canned food items. You need to know how to can and preserve your garden. Water and food. Be sure and have a way to purify your water. Turn off the water to your water heater before the water becomes contaminated if you hear about a water problem. Fuel for your car and cooking. Learn to make soap and laundry detergent. Lemonade mix, hot chocolate mix, or good old sugary tang if they still sell it. These will make water taste better. Cooking oil, any kind, will be sought after. Cooking devices for outside cooking with fuel. I'm not saying run out and buy everything on this list. We will all need the skills to help each other. We must all be able to bring something to the table in order to help one another. We are responsible for ourselves. No one else is going to take care of us. 
if and when our economy crashes, you may not have the Social Security check, retirement check, paycheck, or pension check in the mail or deposited. Think again. People keep telling us to pay off our houses, pay cash for cars, stay out of debt, and pre be prepared for the unexpected. Have cash, precious metals, and things to barter. It's human nature to think that disasters only happen to other people living elsewhere. If that is the approach you've taken up to this point in your life, think again. Disasters can come our way in many forms, like getting sick and unable to work, losing your job due to layoffs or company closures. Accidents happen, whether in your car or at home, doing projects. You may have the best plan to make your home safe and secure, but your neighbors may have a fire disaster just waiting to happen by storing dangerous fuels in the garage or on the side of the house. If their home goes up in smoke, yours may be next based on wind and ashes. I read an article this week about a drunk driver that drove through the front of a home, nearly killing the occupants. They were lucky the car didn't burst into flames. You may think that disasters only come in the forms of flood, tornadoes, hurricanes, earthquakes, and other causes we call Mother Nature. Sure, we need to think of these and be prepared, but more often than not, it's the surprise event outlined above that brings the most heartache and challenges to families. Do your homework and be as prepared as your time and finances can allow. You'll be glad you did, and so will those living with and near you. May God bless you and your family to have the means to be prepared for the unexpected one step at a time. And then she has a, a list here, my favorite things, and then her book, Prepare Your Family for Survival, How to Be Ready for Any Disaster. And then she's listed a couple of other items there uh, just to, uh, to have maybe a supply list, um, like uh, a Berkey, Big Berkey, uh, Chef Butane Burner, and some other, you know, Dutch oven, uh, camp, uh, cast iron camp Dutch oven, some other good stuff there. So um, Linda just brings out a couple of good points over here. Just you know, there is, you know, disasters can happen at any point. They're all different kinds of disasters, and we need to be prepared for them. Um, you never know how people are going to react or how they're going to respond. And so it is, it, it, it's, it's best when you have supplies at home and at the ready to go and, and know how to do those things. So take a look at some of those lists that she has there. And um, you know, maybe there's some skills that you, skill sets that you, you'd like to add to your skills, to your skill set and uh, so that you, you can be better prepared. All right, let's go ahead and move on to this next article. This comes to us from Ask a Prepper. Uh, it's entitled, How Our Forefathers Made Glue Out of Pine Resin. Uh, this is just interesting and uh, very surprising that pine resin glue is very, very strong. And so I'm going to go ahead and read, um, read these, uh, this article, but there's a lot of good pictures and, and links. So just, you know, in, in all of these articles, you want to go really visit them because you have some great pictures and, art and, and links that you want to check out. But uh, let's go ahead and start reading this one, right? Making glue out of pine resin is one of the cheapest and easiest ways to bind something together when you're out in the wild. It's strong, easy to carry, and durable. Before making your glue, you need to collect some resin. After that, you will need to find a container to heat the glue in, a fire to heat it on, and some charcoal which you can collect straight from the fire. So, um, just side note, uh, when you're out traveling in the woods, if you're going in any kind of... Uh, a limb that has fallen from a pine tree or um, you know it's been cut down or whatever it, you, you're gonna see the resin there so you'll you'll see it uh, readily available and you can just kind of pull that off and start collecting it but um, step one let's go ahead and keep reading melting the pine uh, melting the resin 
after the fire is lit and the wood is burning, take some charcoal from the fire or get your charcoal ready uh, that you've already collected and let it cool. Put the resin into the container and place it on the fire. Warning, be careful while working with the resin as it can easily catch on fire from the gases it releases while melting. Be ready with some pliers or any other tool to take it off the flames and blow the fire out so it doesn't burn. Step 2 is optional, filtering out the resin. While collecting the resin, it is possible that some of the wood will be chipped away with it. You don't need this and it just makes your glue chunkier. So to get a smooth liquid, you'll need to filter it out. Grab an extra container and put some sort of filter over it in order to catch the wood, the pine needles, and anything else that might be inside the resin you've collected. Filtering must be done quickly as the resin will harden fast and clog up the holes of the filter. Move the resin around in the filter to speed up the process. And so he's got, he's got a filter over another can and it's, um, it's, it's got some pretty big holes in there. So you're not using like cheesecloth cheese or anything like that. Um, it looks actually like uh, an old screen that might have been cut out or, or busted uh, that he's using there. So step three, crush the charcoal and mix it with the resin. After filtering the resin out, leave the clear liquid on the fire to stay warm. You need it to be fluid for it to mix. Grab your charcoal that you left out to cool and crush it into a powder. Be careful while crushing it. Move with slow movements and crush it carefully so the charcoal dust won't fly out. After crushing it, dump it over the resin. What I did was put two parts resin and one part charcoal, although it depends on how you like it. Experiment with it and find the best for you. Making it, making it is pretty simple and easy, but you have to work quickly as the resin hardens fast and even faster with the crushed charcoal. Now that you have your pine resin glue, you just need to test it out. I heated the glue up once again and dumped some onto the bottom of this large bowl, placing a wine bottle onto it for it to stick. After that, I let it cool for around one minute. After lifting and turning the bowl over, the wine bottle was stuck to it completely. The glue works and it's strong, durable, it dries quickly and isn't sticky or messy. It's completely rock hard, which makes it easy to carry around. If you want, you can put it inside a small can or stick it to a piece of wood for easy access. So uh, he's got some comments there, and uh, there's actually one comment uh, that I was reading about uh, someone uh, who said, "Man, it's, it's just like consider it like J.B. Weld," um, and he's talking about a, a boat when he used to go uh, fishing and camping with his with his dad, I guess, and uh, and they used it on uh, a boat, and it which had a sizable hole in the bottom of it, an aluminum flat boat boat. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, they were white water rafting. And um, his dad made some pine resin glue and patched it up, be you know, in, before the evening time and let it let it dry overnight, and it held and still holds. And, and so, wow, that's, uh, you know, that's impressive. I remember seeing, I, I've done a couple of articles on pine resin glue throughout the years on Prepper website. I remember a video where a guy's doing it. He's just on the side of, uh, of a, a river or a lake, and he just makes them out of um, he just makes some uh, pine resin. He's like in a in a seashell. He's using a seashell. I'm gonna try to find that video as well and and link it in the in the show notes there. But uh, yeah, that's a good skill to know and the thing to do. And definitely want to try that one out. All right, last one comes to us by from Survival Common Sense. Leon over there has a a great uh, website. A lot of good information. 
Um, this article is entitled 10 Survival Items for Beginning Apartment Preppers. But really, it is. it can be for anybody who's kind of starting out, anyone who doesn't have a kit, who's looking to put together a very basic kit. I would say anyone can kind of uh, use this. So if you're finding the, the podcast and you're new to prepping, um, this is definitely one of those articles and some of the, the things that he um, advises, some of the advice that he gives um, is useful. So again, for apartment preppers, definitely, but also for uh, anybody starting out. So let's go ahead and start reading this one. One reason I love the wild open spaces of the West is that I was once an apartment dweller in downtown Washington, D.C., after that experience of dense populations, jam-packed highways, and dependency on urban infrastructure, I think I better appreciate the clean air and lack of dense housing we have in Oregon. But I think about those days a lot and would like to see urban apartment dwellers better prepared for the typical storms or earthquakes. Even in the 80s, I always had my backpack filled with what I considered survival gear, and it was ready to go on a moment's notice. But once I lived for several years in my first urban apartment, I realized I needed an apartment-sized kit that was easily accessible for the urban blackouts we experienced at that time. So, I gathered supplies and packed them in a bucket. Yes, a bucket. Suppose you live in an apartment in an area where, where, with the potential for natural disasters, i.e. everywhere. Storage room is at a premium, but you can start collecting a few supplies to get you by for a couple of days when the power goes out. Or, if you have to evacuate from a tropical storm, hurricane, or flood warning, you'll quickly have what you need to throw in the car. So, emergency supplies for your apartment. A 5-gallon plastic bucket with lid. This will serve as a storage container, a water bucket, or even an emergency toilet. In the case where the toilet still flushes, the bucket can be used to haul water to fill the tank. You can store many of your survival tools in the bucket until they are needed. Bottom line is every apartment needs a good bucket, but most don't have one. And just a, a side note, we do have an elderly friend who lives in uh, like a retirement apartment complex. And when we had uh, the last hurricane, uh, I want to say Ike, um, you know, they lost water. They lost all that good stuff. And uh, they were on city water, and the water, city water was contaminated, so they weren't supposed to be drinking it. But it, they didn't have electricity to pump, and she was up uh, a couple of stories to, to pump the water up to her uh, apartment to be able to, you know, wash her hands, to be able to flush, to be able to do all that kind of stuff. So definitely having a five-gallon bucket in an apartment is, is definitely a necess necessary item. So let's continue. Spare batteries, extra toilet paper, and paper towels. That's a no-brainer. You can compress paper towels and toilet paper for almost no weight with a big return. Remember, you may have to evacuate and people rarely remember toilet paper in the rush to get out. A backpacking stove. A lightweight backpacking stove will give you a burner to cook food and boil water. Any stove that relies on a flame will produce carbon monoxide, so make sure that cooking area is adequate, adequately ventilated next to an open window. Also, make sure there is a fuel supply easily available. The propane canisters may be hard to come by, but whereas denatured alcohol may be easily found, check out your local hardware, home improvement, and backpacking stores for potential fuel sources and stock up. Dehydrated food. 
Include a three-day supply for each person. The shelf life on some of these foods is 10 to 15 years, so you don't need to worry about spoilage. Get the kind of dried food where all, of you, all you need to do is add water, and that don't have long simmering times. They make some pretty good meals these days. Look for ones that have no preservatives or additives. A crank cell phone charger. I bought a simple crank charger for about $15. It will recharge my cell phone and laptop, so communications can continue. Remember those scenes on TV when Hurricane Sandy wiped out the Jersey Shore and folks were paying big bucks to charge their cell phones at a local store? Don't be one of those people. A crank flashlight. Batteries wear out, so get a source of light that can be recharged. You've got plenty of time when the electricity is out to keep the flashlights cranked up. Solar charge lighting tools or generators might be an option in some areas. There's a lot of solar technology these days to power most or all of your needs for a few days. Candles and lamps. Interior lighting might be a major problem, especially during the winter months when it starts to get dark about 5.30 p.m. Hit the thrift stores and buy whatever candles they have. I keep packs of white short pillars and glass hurricane lamps to protect the lights. Kerosene or oil lamps are another good option. Check out hardware stores for the small oil candles that burn for days. Water storage containers. If the power goes out, you'll need to store some water ASAP. I have been using the collapsible uh, platypus water containers for years, and they are reliable, durable, and compact. Get some of the collapsible 5-gallon plastic jugs. Figure on a minimum of a gallon of drinking water per person per day. Better, better year, or I think that's better yet, you can fill up the bigger jug in advance of the event and put in the bottom of your closet. Read more about water storage here. Water storage is definitely so important. You need to have some means of, of uh, having water, whatever that might be. You need to definitely look into that. So water filter. During a power blackout, you, your water quality might be suspect. So some sort of water purification method should be considered. There are many filters on the market, and the solar filters have worked well for me. There are chemical water purification products that are easy for anyone to use. All you do is add them to water. I've used Polar Pure and Potable Aqua for years. Don't leave out this preparedness step. Clean water is crucial. Boiling water is probably the safest way to purify it. Once the water is brought to boiling, that's 212 degrees, for a few minutes, everything that boiling temps can kill is completely dead. Boiling water for extended periods of time doesn't make it hotter or cleaner. A sleeping bag. At night, a warm sleeping bag will allow you to sleep comfortably. Extra blankets are always a good idea. Use the power outage as an excuse to go camping in the living room with a loved one. It's a memorable adventure, good for stories that will last for years. Duct tape and visqueen. Visqueen. There are multiple purpose. These are multiple purpose items. Duct tape is used for everything, and the large sheets of plastic visqueen will allow you to cover a broken window, partition off a room, rig, rig an emergency shelter, etc. As a long-term prepper, the recommendation of gear seems a bit spartan to me, but this collection is an impressive start towards self-sufficiency for someone who is just beginning as a prepper. And compared to the day when one, our best source of supplies was the army surplus. Today's apartment dwellers have Amazon. That's practically miraculous to me. Shop online today and have all this gear show up to your doorstep. With Amazon Prime, you can have it in a couple of days with no shipping cost. Try Amazon Prime for 30 days free trial. There's a link there. Or have some fun and go down to your local surplus store. 
talk to the guy at the counter and browse around. I can still smell that old canvas and see the tall stacks of tarts. It's your choice how to amass the supplies you need, but it's not a choice whether to do it. So again, I agree with uh, with Leon. There's uh, we we need to have these basic supplies. If you don't have a kit, you need to go ahead and, and definitely get one of those or get the kit set up. Uh, there's no reason why you can't have some basic items. And then having it in a bucket, if you need to get out, you can easily just transfer that to your vehicle uh, when you need to. So again, all these uh, all these websites have uh, links, pictures, and things that you can link or that you can go and check out. And so I, de I definitely recommend that you go and uh, spend a little bit of time on these uh, websites. I do have them linked in the show note or the episode notes uh, in on uh, the Prepper website, podcast.com. So um, that's it for this episode. Um, before, again, before I go again, if I could ask you, if you a big favor, if you would go and, and take a moment to review the Prepper website podcast and your, your local podcast or your favorite podcast network, that would be that's just a great benefit. Uh, and uh, just a great blessing as well. And so then also feel free to share out our uh, our episodes on uh, on social media. We made it really easy just to kind of go to the website and share them out on Facebook and Twitter and and uh, all your your favorite social media sites out there. And uh, drop by the website, drop me a line, or uh, hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So we'll be back again tomorrow with other great articles. And don't forget, there's a ton of great articles on PrepperWebsite.com if you want to go and check those out as well. So until next time, stay prepped and aware. Peace.